It is July 8th, 2019. This is Paradox of Civility. I am your host, Roy Koshi. How's it going? What's going on with you? Huh? Nothing right now? But like everything's going, like everything? Everything's going on. The world is just melting in a fucking tire fire right now, and it feels like there's nothing we can do about it, right? Tire fire. What an overused phrase at this point. Why am I, why am I using that word tire fraud? It's not even funny. It's not even clever. It's this online phrase, this online shorthand that, and like, you know, people using like combining words into new curses, like douche canoe, twat waffle, fuck, fucking steins. (laughs) It's not funny. I'm I'm veering into hackery, and you didn't come to Paradox's Civility to listen to hack material. No, you didn't, did you? You came here to listen to deep sociopolitical exploration. You listen. You came here to listen to the archaeo- archaeological dig. Um, I can't pronounce the word, but it doesn't mean it's not an archaeological dig into actual bigotry and racism and how it's rotting the core of this country and the world right now. You didn't come here for hack material. Or maybe you're just, uh, you're working out, you're on a jog or something, and this is the only thing on your phone that got downloaded because uh, you listen to everything else. You listen to every other podcast, and I was at the bottom of your list here. Wow, fuck you. Okay, um, anyways, uh, this is Paradox of Civility. Um, this is a show where I revisit an online radio show that I produced in 2012, 2013. I produced and hosted it. It was called The Hate Project. And uh, it's a show where I allowed uh, actual racist people, actual bigots, uh, to call in anonymously so that I could have a conversation with them about why they hate. Um, I did this anonymously uh, in order to just allow them to be honest uh, in the hopes of like getting to a deeper level beyond just the surface discussions of racism and uh, racial, uh, you know, the racial animosity that's plagued this country since uh, the beginning of time of its time. Um, so I'm just revisiting those episodes and I'm basically revisiting these conversations, these interactions and kind of bringing them to the surface and seeing how they are mirrored, how a lot of the talking points, how a lot of the ideology, uh, how are they mirrored now in mainstream America? Because even back then, 2012, 2013, these are considered fringe people, fringe groups. And, um, you know, now a lot of what you hear in these conversations from back then are pretty much almost uh feels almost normal in mainstream america i mean not that everyone's accepting it but it feels kind of like it's it's no longer just something that you look at like that's a weird thing in the corner um it's kind of come to the surface it's uh infected a lot of parts of this country uh from the highest offices in the land uh down below as well So, um, in regards to feeling powerless, um, I do want to give a shout out to a group that's doing pretty amazing work. They're called Never Again Action, and they're protesting ICE detention facilities uh, and trying to basically shut them down. uh, Because as Never Again Action, it's a group of Jewish activists, and um, it's just that. That's their mission. When they say never again, they mean it. And never again does not just mean for Jews, it means for anyone. So I will post a link in the description below for them. Never get an action. And, um, you know, check them out. Donate to them if you can. Join them if you can, even. 
Um, I think it's pretty amazing and that's pretty inspiring. So I just wanted to share that. Uh, these are people who are actually taking very direct action. They're getting arrested. So there's a lot of risk for them as well in doing this. So um, on this episode that you're about to hear, uh, the theme of it is um, one theme I'll say is this. Um, it's about leaving the movement. Uh, now, at the, the early part of the episode, I start talking about Derek Black. Now, Derek Black is the son of Don Black, who uh, created Stormfront.org, which is the online white supremacist, white nationalist website. And Don Black was like a white nationalist movement leader as well. And Derek, his son, was being groomed as like the next generation. And Derek actually ran for office. Derek would give speeches, you know, uh, basically uh, with all the white supremacist, white nationalist uh, talking points. Um, David Duke, I believe, is his grand his godfather. And so Derek uh, left the movement, and I talk about that around this time that this episode aired, which was July 15th, uh, 2013. Um, wait a second. Hang on. No, July 29th, 2013. I'm sorry. Um, God, I should fire the person making this podcast. Um, anyways, um, so he was leaving the movement, and I'm like reading from an article about that. Later in the episode, there's a guy named Kennewick Man who calls in. And Kennewick Man, uh, if you've been listening to previous episodes of Paradox of Civility, you will know that Kennewick Man was the guy who was doing the George Takai impersonation. And he was doing a damn good George Takai impersonation. And in an earlier episode, uh, he revealed that he wasn't really George Takai. And he was somebody who was a former white nationalist, but he left the movement. So that guy, his name's Ken, he goes by Kennewick Man. He calls back in for this episode, and um, we have a longer chat. I talk to him about being in the white nationalist movement, um, and then he keeps talking about, uh, again, if you've been listening to this show, uh, there's this website called Nimbusters that existed at the time. It was kind of very 4chan, 8chan, very shit posting with a lot of racist shit, but they sort of acted like, no, we're also trolling white nationalists. I'm still not sure uh, if you want to look up Nimbusters, go right ahead. Uh, I'm still not sure exactly, um, you know, how sincere any of that was. I don't, you know, I think it was just a garbage website full of garbage and people get away with uh, dumping garbage there. Um, so this guy, Kennewick, man, even though he's no longer in the white nationalist movement, he believes in the separation of races and um he even uh, does uh, make this case by acknowledging the injustices and brutality committed against African-Americans and other non-whites, basically saying that, um, you know, it might be good for, like, say, only black people to police other black people. Um, now, you know, looking at the police forces and all that stuff, we could make an argument for that, that, like, a lot of uh, police brutality from white police officers towards the black community. But... You know, diversity doesn't matter in this case. If you have an institution uh, that has to keep people in line, even having black police officers doesn't solve the problem of police brutality. And that's been proven many, many times. Uh, some black cops are worse than their white compadres. Um, and I try to explore from Kennewick Man uh, how he came to, you know, uh, get in touch with his white nationalist sort of ideology. He talks about growing up in southern Texas near the border, and he felt so alienated by people around him. Uh, a lot of people were Hispanic and, um, you know, um, he discovers that he's German. So he wants to connect with his German heritage because he feels like, you know, um, he was, uh, picked on, uh, or at least alienated, um, uh, 
you know, I don't know how much, how picked on he was. It was kind of confusing of like, was he really bullied or was he just not fitting in or just didn't feel like he fit in based on his skin color? I do challenge him a lot through this uh, interview. I bring up that I was bullied a lot because of my dark skin and I didn't, jo- I didn't join a hate group over it and I don't hate white people over it. Um, and um, at one point, I very stupidly compare his separatism uh, ideas to feminism. I don't know why I did that. That's probably just my own ignorance as a guy. So feminists, I'm sorry about that. And I don't agree with that. Um, it's a little bit of a clunky moment. So you'll hear it uh, whenever you get to that point. Um, we start talking about race science and he talks about the human genome project, how it's come a long way. Um, and he also mentions that he writes financial articles. Um, now I want to bring this up. Um, this guy named Marcus Epstein, not the same person as Kennewick man. Um, I just want to make this super clear. Um, at least to my knowledge, he's not the same person. So I'm going to just say that he's not the same person. Mark Epstein was a guy who wrote for the wall street journal and for Forbes He's an ex-GOP staffer. He worked for that racist ass, uh, Tom Tancredo uh, in Colorado, Tom Tancredo. Why am I, Why do I care about pronouncing that fucker's name right? But he also wrote for uh, a website, a white nationalist website called V-Dare, and he's also a former Richard Spencer uh, buddy as well, associate of Richard Spencer. There's some photos of him and Spencer together. Um, and I bring this up to just sort of um, highlight this. This is something that anyone should be aware of. Um, I'm also I'm also going to post an article about Katie McHugh, who was a former Breitbart writer who uh, left Breitbart and uh, she was in the white nationalist uh, ecosystem and she just had to get out. Um, It's an ecosystem. You have like the obvious, like the people with Nazi tattoos on their face doing dumb shit. Uh, That's pretty obvious. Okay. Uh, But there is an ecosystem of respectability that allows a lot of the white nationalist talking points, white nationalist ideologies to make their way into the mainstream. And also um, there's an ecosystem basically where, um, you know, these individuals who, uh, who basically associate with white nationalists, who participate in in hate groups themselves, who are members of hate groups even, they are able to make a career in the mainstream media, the mainstream liberal media that they uh, rail against every two minutes. Uh, They're able to uh, have access to big mainstream publications that are supposedly objective, like Forbes or Wall Street Journal. And so many other people, writers of color, for instance, don't get those same opportunities. And I'm sorry, uh, even people who are like left wing, uh, this false idea of like the alt left, there's an alt left, there's no alt left, that's the equivalent of the alt right. Um, Basically, um, you know, uh, they don't have the same accessibility, in my view, at least that these white nationalists actually do. From the puff pieces that we see of like this neo Nazi loves Seinfeld, or, or things like that, you know, we just, uh, there's not that same accessibility there. Um, so I do just, uh, when I present this interview, I just want you to keep that in mind and uh, think about that. Uh, this is a guy, he's a very well-spoken guy, very intelligent guy, uh, very charming guy even. He's very funny. Uh, we talk a lot. We talk for a long time. Um, and um, he also talks about living in Taiwan and China. And my God, okay, let me highlight this part. He talks about how what a difficult time he had living in Taiwan, um, and he has the most bratty, fucking, entitled attitude towards ta- Taiwan, and basically like how they didn't welcome him, they didn't offer him enough opportunity. So fuck you, Taiwan. Whereas like in China, he got his own apartment and things like that. Like Korean China, he lived there and he got a little bit more uh, perks from 
I don't know from the I don't know from the government or just uh, from just the person he was working for there. But uh, he basically talks about like how Taiwan, you know, you know, basically like uh, pigeonholes white people into just teaching English classes and not really offering any other opportunities beyond that. Um, and he's really, really aggrieved about this, really entitled about it uh, in a way that's really disgusting because I and I do bring this up. I bring up that like immigrants coming here, they're trying to just work here and trying to make a good life. And he does not support um, immigrants coming to this country. He does support like the idea that this country should be a Western white country. And, you know, every time I bring up something that challenges his hypocrisy, it is sort of like this response of like, yeah, well, one example of this is that he was apparently uh, he was in a he was in a neo-Nazi group. Right. And um, I guess like the reason he left was he he felt betrayed by the leadership. And then also he was dating an Asian woman who didn't know he was in the uh, movement. Uh, and I challenge the hypocrisy of dating an Asian woman while you're being a neo-Nazi. And I ask him, you know, and he's, he defends it by saying, like, you know, I'm still a man or something like, you know, what the, kind of this, the heart wants what the heart wants sort of logic. And I bring up, well, uh, Asian men are men. Do you, are you happy with them dating white women? And, you know, he again, not too thrilled about that. So that's another source of, like, these guys kind of having their cake and eat it, too. So they have this respectability. Uh, they date non-whites even which I guess means they're not racist. Um, so they're able to espouse racist talking points, white nationalist, white supremacist ideology and talking points. They're able to make a living. They're able to like travel the world even. They're able to go to non-white countries and be fine. And I guess like what I'm getting at with this, uh, with this long kind of uh, tirade here is um, it's... It's the weird sort of like congruence that these folks just get to have in their lives. You can be a neo-Nazi that wants to exterminate non-whites and still fuck non-whites. A little fucking odd. Um, and the fact that these guys, and if you've been listening to this podcast, the Klansman that I talked to, Dragon, when I challenge him on like him enjoying non-white food, for instance, uh, or, you know, working with non-white people, um, you know, he just basically says, yeah, well... And there's kind of just a complete congruence. They don't sort of see the uh, the cracks in their ideology by doing this stuff. So you get to hate people. You get to promote a white supremacist ideology and then just just enjoy the contributions of non-whites. I mean, that's a that is white privilege at its worst. Um, and that's like really the culmination of white supremacy. And that is their goal. Everybody else is just there to be used. And quite honestly, um, a lot of people buy into this. While they may not buy into the genocidal nature of these of this ideology, they do maybe on a subconscious level buy into the idea that people of color, uh, they're here to serve a purpose. So when we hear talk about immigration, uh, especially from Latino immigration, we don't talk about white immigrants too much. I wonder why. Uh, when we're talking about Latino immigration, those from Central America, we... The liberal media, even liberal pundits tend to do this. They tend to say that these folks just want to start at the bottom and work hard and carve out the American dream. And they're just coming here because they believe in the American dream. And so, my gosh, you're picking on people who just want to wash our dishes and pick our fruit. I've heard people say this, like literally, like these people are coming over, like you're being ridiculous for feeling threatened because they're taking low skill jobs. 
We don't ever talk about how these people may want to come over here and, uh, you know, study medicine, for instance. Whereas, like, if a Swedish person or Norwegian person came over here, we would not question that. Like, we wouldn't assume that they're coming here for low-skilled work. We would assume that that Brit, that Canadian, that Swede, that Norwegian, is that the name of it? I don't know. Um, I don't know what the name of those people are. Um, we don't assume that. So that's become so second nature that, you know, look, we're going to be nice to these people of color, but they do serve a purpose. I, I kind of can only contextualize them in one aspect. I think a lot of people of color buy into this shit as well. And so, look, here's the thing. Uh, I don't know how to undo this. All I know is that we just need to, as people of color, support each other and build our own shit. And that's it. I'm all about, at this point in time, supporting people who are probably in danger. Not probably in danger. They're actually in danger. So I just care about that. I don't give a fuck about the American dream or integrating into white society or like, you know, just really like representation matters and just the white people are going to finally see you as human. Don't worry about that shit. Not going to happen. And speaking of like uh, cracks in the ideology, that was another goal of uh, this podcast that you're listening to now. I was just always bringing up the question. I bring this up almost every week. Did I just give these people another platform to spew their hatred, to be more comfortable in their hatred and actually even find that their hatred is just, oh, more respectable. See, I'm taking the time to talk to this person who's not a white nationalist. And, you know, hey, look, look, he and I agree on things. Did I do that? Or did I actually even, you know, pave any way pave any sort of path towards self-reflection on their part. Still don't know at this point. Um, with this interview, I'm not sure that I did. But, you know, look, I haven't kept in touch with any of these people. Maybe down the road they thought about this shit. I don't know. So here is the episode. I've edited it a little bit from its original broadcast, uh, just kind of editing out some general interaction in the chat that wasn't doing a lot. Uh, so... Uh, here you go. Enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, um, I hope you get something out of it. All right, here you go. Talk Recorded Recorded live. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Great to see you all. Great to see you all. Good job. You figured out Talk Shoe. Who's a good listener? Who? Who? Sorry. Sorry, everybody. I get a little carried away. I'm very passionate about online radio hosting, if you couldn't tell. Very passionate about it. Guys, welcome to the Hate Project, everybody. Welcome. I mean that. Welcome. I, I welcome you with love. With love to the Hate Project. What do you think about that, huh? 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 Guys, as I welcome you to the Hate Project, I should explain to you what the Hate Project is. The Hate Project is an online internet radio show exploring hate, exploring the sources and reasons for why human beings may hate each other. Why do people hate each other based on uh, race, gender, sexual orientation, cultural, political, personal reasons? And so we, we intend to have an honest dialogue 
on these issues. So what we do here at The Hate Project is that we invite anybody to participate on the show in an anonymous manner. So what you can do is you can call up the show and talk with me, the host. Uh, you don't have to give your name. You don't have to like, you know, tell me where you live or anything like that because um, I don't need that information. And um, basically the reason for that is that we, if, if you have these feelings of hatred, we want to know why. I'm just curious as to why you have these feelings and how you got there. We also uh, invite people of color, uh, women. We don't have enough women on the show, man. Um, LGBTQ community to call in and talk and share their own views and experiences on prejudice or if they themselves may harbor some prejudicial feelings. So uh, that's the show. It's, it's meant to be an honest dialogue, a safe place to discuss unsafe things. Um, there's a lot going on in the show. A lot of people call in. Uh, we here do not endorse any of the views espoused here on the Hate Project, although we do allow people to voice their opinion, voice their perspective in an honest manner so that we may understand each other better. But we do not endorse any of the viewpoints, unless you hear me saying, yeah, I agree with that, (laughs) which sometimes happens. If I say, yeah, I agree with that, (laughs) that that means I agree with the particular sentence that somebody said, right? Well, folks, uh, the main host is out tonight. I am your guest host for the evening. My name is Carlos Danger. Now, uh, uh, i got to explain myself. I am Carlos Danger. Now, before you sit there and say, is this some sort of a joke? Is it, that's Anthony Weiner's. So evidently, um, the, uh, there's a mayoral race in New York City, uh, which is the capital of America. No, that's Washington, D.C. still? Okay. Well, um, anyways, this fellow, Anthony Weiner, he used to uh, be a representative for New York. He had to resign his seat at Congress because he was involved in some uh, tweeting of his uh, penis material, something like that. And, uh, you know, he resigned, and now he came back to run for mayor of New York City, and... uh, then it turns out that after he resigned from Congress, he continued to sext and exchange uh, lascivious information with another young lady. Uh, he's a married man, and he was exchanging uh, sexual, doing some sexual uh, to-dos online under the pseudonym Carlos Danger. Well, guys, I'm the real Carlos Danger, and I'm really – it's been such a rough couple weeks for me because um, – what I do is the opposite of what Anthony Weiner does. I am actually an abstinence educator. Yeah, I uh, I am Carlos Danger, the the penis that could kill. So basically, what I do is I go to schools and different organizations and institutions, and I basically explain and uh, let the audience know and let the students know the dangers of having sexual intercourse. You know, for instance, there'll be a scene between a girl and a guy, a teenage girl and a teenage guy. The girl's unsure. The guy's pressuring her to have sex with him. And uh, she gives in. But, and I pop up as a penis behind the girl and the guy. 
and I say, danger alert, you're in the danger zone. You're in the danger zone now. And um, I say, I could get you pregnant. <laughs> I'm a penis. A dangerous penis. Danger zone. Um, you know, it's a lot of fun. We do a lot of positive work. Um, you know, uh, I, there's a scenario that we do in the schools where, um, you know, somebody says, hey, I hear they do teabagging at the strip bar. And his pal says, what's teabagging? That sounds interesting. I'll just go in there. Uh, and then, um, you know, I pop up and say, you're in the danger zone. You're going to get a dick and balls in your face. And sometimes when we have a budget, we do have um, – I do have two uh, – now, not, not two anymore. It's one guy now. It's, um, it's uh, Felipe Del Scrotum, um, and he you know, explains the dangers of teabagging. So uh, that's what I do. Carlos Danger, the abstinence-only educator. And I'm having a rough week because this fucking guy has uh, really ruined my mojo. I'm not getting any bookings anymore because now I'm associated with this Anthony Weiner fellow – and I'm associated with like online sexual rendezvous. I'm having a lot of hard time, you know. And in fact, something fun that I do, um, I offer alternatives. As I'm dressed as a penis, and I say, "Look, I don't have to go inside of you." And I offer um, some alternatives, like, "Hey, why don't we play Parcheesi? Why don't we?" Uh, you know, play I Spy with my right eye. Something fun. Why don't we play patty cake? So I'm a penis that's not only like, you know, letting you, the, letting you know the dangers of intercourse, but, um, you know, it's like I'm a fun penis. So guys, I'm having a hard time getting work right now because of this, this Anthony Weiner guy. So if you want to uh, book me for your school or your church, or anywhere. Uh, I'm just going to put my email here. Uh, you can email us here at the Hate Project Studios, and I'll get it. HateProjectRadio at gmail.com. Uh, you know, just say, hey, Carlos Danger, we really love your message. It's really fun and positive. Uh, come on down to our school. Come on down to our church. I provide the penis costume, by the way. You don't have to do that. Just just letting you guys know. I'll, I'll show up dressed as the penis, and I'm very professional, and you know, I'm just desperate, guys. That's all. <laughs> All right. Anyone have any questions out there? Anybody? Okay. Well, let's get into it. Uh, I just need to see what's going on in the chat here. Okay. Guest number eight. I think you were here a couple weeks ago. You're talking about pink penises. Wow. A lot of you, uh, a lot of you racist people are obsessed with pink penises. Hate project. Can I suck your pink penis? I, I, nah. My penis is really not that pink. It's not sweet either. It's kind of a... How would I consider my penis? I don't know. Maybe it's more, uh, you know, veiny and... um, It's more... mm, You ever had a... You ever had a a cilantro? Tastes like cilantro. Guess number eight. So, I'm sorry. So, Dragon, what is this fucking thing you're you're putting out here? Is this some... some, uh, if this is some spam or some sort of virus, so help me God, I will just uh, not believe in God like I still do. 
Let's see. It says this. Oh my God, Dragon! I just clicked on this. Oh my gosh, this video contains content from SME. You sent me a broken link, champ. Way to go. Way to go, guy. Congratulations. Oh boy, my life is a mess. Uh, Hatton, welcome to the show. I'm glad you made it out tonight. Um, the Watch 13. Nikki TTT, I think you guys have all been on my show before. Uh, Dragon, of course. Uh, 1488. Um, yeah, like a lot of... Uh, uh, guest number eight here uh, is propositioning a lot of people. Um, well, evidently him and Dragon are hitting it off. I, I see what you're trying to do, Dragon. Uh, you were putting in YouTube the Top Gun theme song by Kenny Loggins. Um, I, I enter with that music, actually. Like a scenario, you know, um, you know, say like a, a a teenage boy just about to have teenage sex with another boy. Um, it's like you know they're closeted football players, homosexual football players, and. Uh, they're about to pull their pants down. It's pretty exciting. Danger zone, guys. Come on, bros. Abstinence only. Whether you're gay or straight, bro. It's really a, it's really a lot of fun. <laughs> So, uh, you WN types will enjoy this shit. You probably won't enjoy this, actually. Why did I just say that? Why did I tease you? You're going to hate this. Derek Black, son of the former Alabama Klan leader, who now runs the largest racist web forum in the world, has renounced white nationalism, saying that he has been through a gradual awakening process and apologizing for his past activism. And uh, let me just, uh, I was reading this uh, this week. There's a couple of um, couple of uh, articles about this guy, and it was really fascinating to me. Um, and this is a, a, a note from the SPLC Center. Um, he wrote that to the editor of the blog. He, he wrote a letter to the SPL, Southern Poverty Law Center, and um, he had come to see the arguments of white nationalism as principally flawed, adding that he had realized that American society is marked by an overwhelming disparity between white power and that of everyone else, and that white nationalism was really about an entrenched desire to pervert, preserve white power at the expense of others. Advocating for white nationalism means that we are opposed to minority attempts to elevate themselves to a position equal to our own, wrote Black, who recently finished his third re year at the elite New College of Florida. It is an advocacy that I cannot support, having grown past my bubble, talked to the people I have affected, read more widely, and realized the necess necessary impact my actions had on people I never wanted to harm. Um, so I didn't know much about his father, Don Black, who plotted a racist invasion of a small Caribbean nation. And this is the guy, I guess, who fucking uh, runs Stormfront which I'm sure some people on the show have found this found my show through. And uh, let's see what we got here. And uh, guess number 13, I am white. I am not privileged. Or guess number 11 says, I am white. I am not privileged. Well, you know, here's, here's the thing about that. 
there has been historically, and I don't think many people can dispute this. When we hear the word privilege, you you think of like champagne and you think of like rich people only, right? That that's the image that comes to your head, guest number eleven. And so I'm assuming you're saying that you're not rich and that you're not like some rich dick in a mansion, right? And so kind of what Reality Reality Plus is writing, uh, says, guest number 11, you have been the recipient of white skin privilege your whole life. Because um, we tend to um, – plain yogurt mixed with right – I don't know what that is. Um, there has been a systemic and historical privilege for white people in this country – now, the word privilege you're getting hung up on, it doesn't mean that every single white person is rich and every single white person doesn't have to struggle, but when you look at our culture and when you look at what's, what's depicted most in our culture, it's white America. So, for instance, let me, let me throw something at you guys. So, if I say the term all-American, who do you think of? What, what's the image in your mind that comes to, you, comes to you when I say the word all-American? What does that person look like? Be honest. Waiting for people to respond. Oh, fuck. Robert Redford, Regality Reality Plus, says, yes, thank you. Guess number 10, a white person. That's my point. Um, you know, although, like, you know, a black person who has been here for generations and his family has been here for generations, they um, are all American. Yeah, guess number nine, blonde, uh, blue-eyed person. A, um, you know... Asians have been here for generations upon generations, so a Korean-American is all American, right? Uh, you know, Latinos who have been here for generations upon generations is all American. But when I say that phrase, and you guys nailed it right here, um, you know, what do we think of? We think of a white person. And guess number 11, you're writing, or is it that whites have taken the opportunities afforded to all people in this country over other races? Uh, I don't know what you mean by that. Um, feel free to explain yourself on that one. Um, I don't think so, because... I'm, trying, I'm sorry, I'm trying to figure out your uh, comment here. Um, I, I feel like you're implying that everybody has been given equal footing in this country since its inception and that white people have just somehow like figured out like how to use their opportunities, and I don't necessarily think that's true. Um, because you also, uh, when you look at... Um, when, we, when, we, when we think about, you know how we react to people of different colors, of different races, in terms of just like even getting a job and stuff like that, and, and in terms of like school, the, the education system. Um, going back to Brown versus Board, Board of Education, you know, it, it really, there. that's where the, the systemic privilege exists. And the fact that, like, I'll, I'll give you, like, another example. Like, every time a black person commits a crime or a person of color commits a crime or anything like that, um, they are now like, well, that's how those people are. But whenever, like, a white person commits a crime, it's like, oh, well, that individual's a piece of shit. Okay. 
but the whole white race is not under fire all of a sudden. They're not under the microscope all of a sudden. So, you know, like, oh, the, you know, the epidemic of, like, in urban neighborhoods of crime in urban neighborhoods, meaning black, oh, well, it just proves that, you know, black people just don't know. They're not civilized, blah, blah, blah. And then, um, and then also, you, but it's like you compare that with, like, poor white people and the meth, like the crystal meth sort of uh, explosion. Uh, it's like, really? So, so with like white kids doing crystal meth and committing, causing fucking, committing some serious crimes, violent crimes, are we ready to say like, oh, well, that's the way white kids are. That's the way those white people raise their kids. They're not taking responsibility. And, you know, there's like people shout about like illegitimate black children and like how black fathers leave and as if white fathers don't do that. But we've been sold this in the media, like every commercial you see, um, you know, everything you see basically and all this propaganda because of the, uh, the means of production lie within a few hands right now. Thank God it's changing a little bit with the um, Internet. But um, that, that's, what, that's what that is. Let me uh, – I'm sure whoever – if you disagree with me on this one, uh, you're not going to like this article, but I recommend you just try it out. Take it for a spin. I'm just going to find it here. Read it on your own. Um, uh, fuck. Written by this woman named Peggy McIntosh. Um, let's see. Let me let, let me just uh, let me just post this real quick here. So read this on your own if you want. Um, so uh, I just want to read like this this piece out loud. It's it's written by this woman named Peggy McIntosh. She's a white woman, and she's deconstructing white privilege. So uh, I'm just going to read these bullet points, and if you guys agree with me, disagree with me, uh, you can let me know. You can call in, too. Uh, the show's anonymous for those of you joining us right now. So when you call in, I don't need to know your name or where you live or any details about your life that you wish to not volunteer. It's meant to be an honest discussion. So anyways, so Peggy McIntosh writes, I decided to try to work on myself at least by identifying some of the daily effects of white privilege on, on my life. I have chosen those conditions, which I think in my case attach somewhat more to skin color privilege than to class, religion, ethnic status, or geographical location. Though, of course, all these other factors are intricately intertwined. As far as I can see, my African-American coworkers, friends, and acquaintances with whom I come into daily or frequent contact in this particular time, place, and line of work cannot count on most of these conditions. Number one, I can, if I wish, arrange to be in the company of people of my race most of the time. Number two, if I should need to move, I can be pretty sure of renting or purchasing a housing in an area which I can afford and in which I would want to live. Number three, I can be pretty sure that my neighbors in such a location will be neutral or pleasant to me. Number four, I can go shopping alone most of the time, pretty well assured that I will not be followed or harassed. Number five, I can turn on the television or open the front page of the paper and see people of my race widely represented. Uh, number six, when I'm told about our national heritage or about civilization, I'm shown that people of my color made it what it is. That's what I was talking about in all American when I used the all-American um, example. Number seven, 
I can be sure that my children will be given curricular materials that testify to the existence of their race. Let's see. And uh, 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 uh. there's a lot. There's like 26 bullet points here. Um, Oh, here's one. If my day, week, or year is going badly, I need not ask of each negative episode or situation whether it has a racial overtones. So, and it sounds like from Derek Black's um, uh, uh, email to the SPLC, uh, sounds like he was uh, sounds like he was realizing what white privilege is too. So uh, I'm just going to read a little bit more of what he wrote here, what this article talks about. So um, let's see. So Derek Black also directly confronted some of the main arguments of white nationalism, such as the idea that whites are being victimized by non-white immigration, mixed-race marriages, and affirmative action. What amounts in the articles uh, in the arguments of white nationalists to genocide aimed at destroying the white race? He also ridiculed many white nationalists, particularly bizarre hatred of Jews. Oh my God, I've been trying to explore this with you fucking people. Ugh. God, that's a strange one. Uh, let's see what we got here. You guys are talking about Harold Covington. All right. Um, anyways, uh, if you guys agree or disagree, feel free to call in. So uh, Derek Black goes on to say, I now consider this belief system principally flawed. Most arguments that racial, racial equity programs disadvantage whites who would otherwise be hired or accepted to academic programs mask underlying anxieties about the growth of non-white social status. It is impossible to argue rationally that in our society, with its overwhelming disparity between white power and that of everyone else, racial equity programs intended to affect the deep-rooted situation represent oppression of whites. Indeed, Black added, the advancement of minorities in the U.S. is not insignificant, but has not ended, let alone reversed, their circumstances. Then he sums up something here. Uh, Derek Black basically says, I can't support a movement that tells me I can't be a friend to whomever I wish or that other people's races require me to think about them in a certain way or be suspicious of their advancements. Yeah. So, you know, dude dude got to, like, uh, dude got to um, explore the world, man. Got to, uh, got to uh, check it out check it out so what is going on here hateandflame.com herald it's a website that somebody posted okay it is my hope to prevent people from wasting their money by donating it to Covington or wasting their time siding with them so a lot of oh this is like (laughs) this is a This is like another example of like uh, white nationalists fighting within each other, which is really funny to me. And I'm fine with that. Maybe that's why you guys don't get things done. All this energy, man. All this like energy and fear and hatred. I'm not trying to sound like a hippie or anything. I'm sorry, guys, if I am, but like, Wow, you you could have like written a bunch of novels. You could have done some better work. You could have invented something, you know. Could have done some good work here. 
So uh, here's another um, – oh, I haven't even read this whole thing. When the f- I just read like – oh, I'm dumb. The Daily Beast. Okay. Well, I'm not dumb. Fuck you. So this is a whole I – mean, I haven't even read this whole article. I read the first page of it, but it's a really good one. The first page was amazing, guys. Just throwing that out there. It was really amazing. Um, so this is another article about um, Derek Black. Uh, it's a longer article, and it kind of actually involves some other former uh, WNs. White Negroes. White Nationalists. Sorry, guys. Wow. And uh, to those of you just joining us, welcome to the show. Kennewick, man, thank you for joining us. Welcome back. Haven't seen you in a while. Just talking about uh, stuff, man. Whatever. Just talking about some shit and some other shit. Same shit, different day. Nikki TTT has left the chat. Uh, you got back from Taiwan. Well, Loria, how how was? Oh, that's right. Okay, you were there for a while, and um, how was Taiwan? I'm just curious. <clears throat> for somebody, kind of like man, I I think the last time I talked to you, it was probably like the only time. No, like the last time was like when when we found out that you were not really the George Takai of Star Trek fame, uh, and then you mentioned I think it came out that you were living in Taiwan, and um, but you mentioned that you had left the white nationalist movement, but you retained the viewpoints. Am I am I right? Um, yeah, you're, you're welcome to call in. Yeah, call in if you feel like calling in, dude. Um, yeah, anybody can call in. Um, Free speech zone, but I just ask that nobody threaten each other. I reserve the right to kick anyone off my show if you get like really mean. Um, yeah. But yes, anybody here, uh, just call into that number down there. You can call in on your regular phone. I won't see who you are or call in over Skype. I don't see your identity. Nor do I see your identities. <laughs> Girl. Anyways, um, Mickey TTT, Mickey TTT, uh, am I mixing you up with somebody? Um, I kind of feel like you were somebody who was like, like really racist. Like the last time you came on my show, like you're saying like all kinds of offensive stuff. Well, am I am I getting you wrong on that one? Or is that is that somebody else? Kennewick man, I make plenty of money writing articles from home. Congratulations. What do you write articles about, if you don't mind my asking? <clears throat> Maybe it depends on how you look at it. Well, you were saying derogatory things about other groups of people. Am I right? Am I getting the right person? Stocks, finance stuff. Wow. You ever do time on Wall Street there, uh, KM, Kennewick Man? 
defrauding customers, <laughs> getting bailouts from the government when you fuck up. Okay, so um, guess number eight is writing, KM is racist. We are all racist and proud to be white. KM is a proud white man who realizes he's superior to the muds. Uh, I'm kind of like you can accept or refute that statement. Well, by the way, guest number eight has been obsessed with pink penises. So guest number eight, you are a, you are a uh, racist who happens to be homosexual. Because uh, take a look at the chat. Like, uh, everyone, this guy was obsessed with pink penises and sucking them. And Let's see. Let's see. Mickey TT is writing, I do, but I don't know if it was me you're talking about. Fag. Are you calling me a fag or calling guest number eight a fag? Or someone else? Highway to the danger zone. Guest number eight. Okay. Guest number 14 is writing. Guest number eight is your typical racist. That's true. Like, uh, like you know, this guy, he, he says, like, racist stuff, and then when you disagree with him, he calls you a fag. And then he's like, yeah, you want to suck my dick, fag, you fag. And, like, starts, like, getting really erotic. It's like fucking gay erotica. Really funny. Funny in a way that... Funny, if, if by funny you mean sad and people don't laugh, guess number eight, you are a funny man. Um... <laughs> By funny you mean oh wow I'm I'm definitely an atheist. Really fun show guys. Well um anyways a lot of people are rotating through here. Uh feel free to call into the show. It's seven two four 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 seven four four four. Uh and then you have your little ID numbers down there. I don't know how to do that. Whatever, man. The calling on your regular phone or calling over uh your computer. Either way, bro. By the way, bruh. So, uh, we were just talking about uh, Derek Black, who had left the white nationalist movement, and, uh, you know, he he had... Uh, oh, sorry. Um, <clears throat> why is my audio delayed? Guess number 15 is writing, why is my audio delayed? I don't know, man. Your problem, bro. I think bro so much. I'm Carlos Danger. <clears throat> All right, hold on. All right. So let me just take this call. Hello, Kenwick Man, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How you doing? I'm good. How you doing, sir? Uh pretty well. Pretty well. I was uh, uh sitting uh sitting at home writing all day. Okay. Yeah, uh, writing a finance article. Yeah, I, uh, I'm. Uh, well, let's see. I, I, I wrote an article. I have to proofread it tomorrow, and then I have another one to write uh, tomorrow morning. Okay. Yeah. Monday, so, uh, Tuesdays are my busy days. So you write. You, you're saying in the chat here, you write for a Wall Street publication. Is that is it like a well-known yeah. publication, or is it, it, uh, it for like inside? It is. Yeah. It is. I, I if if I told you the name of it, you might not know. But if if I tell you who runs it, you you'd probably know. Are you allowed to tell me or no? I. It's not that no. I, it's not that I mind telling you. It's that there's a whole bunch of nimbusters in here, and I I I, I 
I've known them well enough to not, I mean, Mickey's okay, but I, I don't know who the hell these other people are. But I, one thing I do know about Nimbusters is that they're a bunch of professional harassers. So, okay. Or, well, aren't you, I thought you were Nimbuster. Am I wrong I about am. that? I, yeah, no, you're, you're, you're dead right about it. I've been hanging around on Nimbusters for almost a decade and I, you know, I, I know what they're all about. Okay. But you don't, you, I guess you don't like the other guys. No, no, I don't like them at all. I mean, that's why I haven't been posting on that 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 godforsaken web forum for for weeks. I try to never post there. I mean, they're just a bunch of people who sit around on there. Half of them are on welfare. Most of them don't have a damn job. They just sit around eating fast food all fucking day. And right. I'm they just try to they try to belittle me in every possible way. I'm just kind of like their internet punching bag. So. I got tired of that. I don't really. I, I I will I will post on Nimbusters, but I limit it to once a week. Man, like I I tried to look through that website and I I couldn't get through it. I'll be honest, because like so many people told me about it through the show. Yeah. Um. And like it's like it's like these like yeah fuck niggers fuck it's like it's like that's all it is. It's like people just writing like these <laughs> sort of fragments of like it's like it's like wow you've like. It's like if there's like somebody if if you're a racist and you're trying to preserve your race, you're not doing a good job. But um yeah. um anyways, um I, the last time I talked to you, um um you know, I am not let's see what he says. I guess number 15 is writing Ken McMahon is a troll who calls into different shows and makes fun of the hosts. Yeah, that's he, true. He's a liar. Well, that's that, true. He that, called that's yeah, true. you he had a you had us going here at the Hate Project Studios for a while as uh, <laughs> yeah, as George Takai. I can't lie. I mean, 15 is, is spot on. In fact, I just called a show the Dallas Debt Discussion. If you've ever seen that one on talk show, it's a fairly popular show. And, yeah, uh, yeah they're, they're, the, the host is stupid enough to not know what he's doing. So, like, when you call in, it's auto-unmute. Yeah. So he'll have, like, 20 people unmuted on the phone. I call in, and I, um, I played a, a clip of uh, – uh, a particularly annoying breed of dog barking, and it completely yeah. derailed their show. <laughs> so is that is that Dallas Dead? I've never listened to it because it's in competition with my show. But uh, right. is that is that only concerning debt? If you live in Dallas, Texas, and that's it? I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know why they the the guy the guy who <laughs> runs it sounds like he he sounds like a transplant. I've actually used to live in Dallas, but. I don't. I, I never really know the contents of the show because I'm too busy pranking. I called it as Gilbert Gottfried one time, long, long ago. Oh wow! Yeah, I got in a couple good cuss words, but this this time was pretty good. I, I what I learned about TalkShoe is that if you call in and the host mutes you, you can just hang up and call in again and log on under the same screen name, and it auto unmutes you. The mute is gone once you once you hang the phone up. It's pretty. It's it's pretty ingenious because you could just call in rapidly, and even, they can mute you a hundred times. You could just keep calling in. Right. Okay. Well, good tip. Yeah. If you ever good tip wanna, for for trolls out here. Yeah. If you ever want to derail the competition, there's a good way to do it. Sure. I don't like to derail competition, man. I I like to. Uh, I think there's room for all of us. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do. So, so I want to ask you. So, you were Kennewick. You were involved in the white nationalist movement at some point, right? Yeah. Yep. And so you left the white. Na- what, what made you leave? It was it was destroying my life. I mean, it was. Uh, 
I'm trying to remember back. It was uh, it was the last, probably probably my last days in college. It was um, it was uh, I, I was putting my neck out there uh, for the National Alliance and um, neo-Nazi organization, right? Right, right. It was Dr. Pierce, but Dr. Pierce had since then died, and it wasn't. Um, I was putting my neck out for them, and it wasn't. It wasn't worth it because I knew that they wouldn't ever come to bail me out or ever come to my defense, like they did with, for example, with Hendrik Hendrik Mebus uh, in Germany. Um, that which was when Dr. Pierce was alive, he was gone. So I, it, this, it was it was destructive. I wasn't getting much of a return on it, and I had an Asian girlfriend, and it was just a matter of time before, you know, they figured that out. So I I, I just I excused myself from it. Wait wait wait, back up for a second. So you had an Asian girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, while you were in the white nationalist movement. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Um, did she, did, was she aware of this? Oh no, 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 no. Wait. No, 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 no. No, so, no way. So how did you? I mean, oh my God, this is like really. You, you people are fucking complicated. So you <laughs> yeah. Had, yeah. <laughs> you you had an Asian girlfriend while you were a neo-Nazi. Right. And, right. and so I, I just – it's really kind of like frustrating to me because – I bet it is. Yeah, I bet it is. Because it's like – I mean, did you do it like because you were really, really attracted to her or like what – What? how did that yeah. even happen? Oh, hell yeah. I, I, never, I never saw uh, my activism as a way of, of – I mean, I've always had a lust for, for all things foreign. I mean, I speak two languages. I speak Mandarin, Chinese fluently. Right. Uh, I've always I've always been interested in other cultures and stuff. Um I never saw my activism as a way of hating anybody else. I just saw it as uh, working for my own. Um and you know personally I I I knew it was a paradox of some kind, but I didn't really feel it was hypocritical. Um and but you know I think I think in in the movement, ignorance is a sort of is a sort of badge that people try to wear, and I think that's what pigeonholes. That's what gets the average person to pigeonhole racists as ignorant, uh, as as hateful, and I guess that was in and and it's I'm not saying it's by and large untrue because it it is, but I just wasn't I didn't see it that way. So, so then, like, so then, how do you feel about like an Asian man fucking a white woman? Uh, not too good. And, but you don't you don't see the problem. You don't see like how that makes you a hypocrite. Um. Well, I mean, I'm a man. I mean, that's just that's just kind of that's yeah, that's, that's my so god-given instinct. That's my that's my god-given instinct. I feel. Yeah. So, like, the the Asian dude's a man too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's that's why evolution is about survival of the fittest, isn't it? So, I mean, what I'm saying is that, like, you you don't have a, you you think it's perfectly acceptable, and I, I and I think it's perfectly acceptable and uh, under normal circumstances for a white dude to to have sex or to be with an Asian woman or a black woman or a Latino woman, anyone they want to be under normal circumstances. But like, it's it's weird, like, to to hear it like. 
for and like correct me if I'm wrong, like a lot of like these movements preach the inferiority of other races. That's right. Yeah. 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 And so is is does it just kind of does it just come down to like you feel like you have the right to use other people how you want to use them? No. No, I've I've never felt that way. Um I've, I I I never believed in superiority or inferiority. Never. Okay. I think that's that's kind of up to God. So, um okay, so like you you do not think that white people are genetically better or superior to anybody. I don't, I don't believe so. No, I mean, okay. I, 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 but I don't know. I mean, I'm not God. I'm... Okay. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, were you ever, um, as, as a member of like the national Alliance, a lot of these guys, and I have a news story that I want to focus on a little bit later on in the show, but, um, um, were you ever involved in, don't, don't give me any details or, you know, don't answer yeah. the question if you don't want to, but were you ever involved in any violent incidences against other groups of people? No, no, I've, okay. I've, I've had the police call on me probably about a dozen times, um, How come? but well, nothing violent. Uh, they didn't, and they didn't know it was me, but, uh, I, I have had probably about 12 police reports as a result of my activism. But like you were, it was just like you handing out flyers or some shit like it wasn't it wasn't yeah like... pretty pretty much yeah pretty much okay that's, so that's that's that is about eight that's about 80 percent accurate yeah right right okay so but you've never attacked another group of people that for looking different no 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 okay i don't, I don't do that kind of thing and have were, were members of your of the national alliance uh, unit that you were part of did they were they ever involved in that kind of stuff attacking no. other people no 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 no, the National Alliance. That that's not until that not until Eric Levy brought in the skinhead uh, white metal type guys. Was there anything like that? I see. That, okay. That, yeah. Yeah. No. So it was literally like a like a club where you talked about your whiteness. Is, am I am I getting you getting that right? <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah, I guess so. I guess that's uh, <laughs> that's fair to say. Um. So now, did your Asian girlfriend ever find out about your alliance? No, with- no, no, no. And she wouldn't you- have understood. She wouldn't have understood anyway. She wouldn't. Have, I mean, she wasn't even. I mean, she she was from. She was from mainland China. She had. If you would have told her about the National Alliance, she would have had no idea anyway. Right? Is she still your girlfriend or no? No, no. That was that was a, that was that was about that was almost a that was it was yeah it was about a decade ago. I mean, she has I I believe she's since moved or married or something. I don't know. Okay, and uh, so and so like nobody in your movement ever found out about this, did they? <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't. But you know, I. I, I at some point I realized that I had to excuse myself from it, you know, I, right. because it wasn't going to be, <laughs> you know, it just wasn't going to fly. Well, of course not. Um, you know, I tell you, like, it, it's it, uh, and a lot of these guys, like, uh, you've heard my show before, and I've gotten into these frustrating yeah. conversations with people where I'll sort of say, like, you know, like, with, oh, Dragon left the show. All right, well. Well, like, well, that's an example. Like, he loves Indian food. And, like, I will sort of point out that, like, you're trying to preserve your own race. You want separation. You're preaching the separation of races. You want a country of only white people. But yet you 
you decide to use other people, other cultures when it's convenient for you. You know, excuse me for not, excuse me for A, like, first of all, I don't agree with the idea of separatism, but B, like, excuse me for not, like, really thinking you're that brave or, or that, like, you're a principled man. And, like, you're kind of, you're a hypocrite, you know, like, and, like, I guess that's, that's sort of my issue, like, where, so, like, I guess, like, you, you are, you're not for, like, the preaching of inferiority or superiority, like white versus mm. black and all that, right? But nah, you are. Was. What's that? Never was no. Okay, and you never were. But you are. Are you for separation? What What are your viewpoints as it stands now? Uh, well, we're going to have to not go into that um, too okay. much, at least. But um, all right, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I can't. I mean, this place is chock full of nimbusters right now. So I, mean, I, I think. You know, it's just a matter of time before they find out what my last name is, and and when that happens, I, man, I got to be clean as a whistle. Who are you talking about when they come out? The, the Nimbusters. I mean, they are they are constantly searching around for every little tidbit of a person's personal information. Right. I I think I mean to I I don't mean to I don't mean to cop out on your question. I think it would probably. American history shown it's probably better if we're all separated. I mean, and I think I think it would be better for like say black folks certainly. I mean, you've seen the black community completely ravaged since uh, since the yeah. 1950s, and and well, I just before think, that too, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, especially in the, I mean, anytime. Well, let's let's use black folks let's use black folks as an as an example just just so I don't sound. Okay. You know, just so, just so, just just because that's an example that I don't have, any, I'm not black, so I don't have any skin in the game. Anytime black folks try to start a community of their own here in the United States, uh, particularly in the South, up until the 1950s, it was completely destroyed. Oh, yeah. uh, it was liter- literally, literally, you know, the rednecks would come by and they'd burn yeah. it all down. And well, post post 1950s, whenever that started to happen. Um, the CIA would come in and they would plant agent provocateurs within the Black Panther movement, just like they did with the with, yeah. with the white white movements, and they would break them apart too. And and then you had black oh, yeah. from from the inner cities, and and so, I mean the black community has been completely ravaged by uh, by by integration. Really, I mean you look at there used to be there used to be whole cities that were entirely black that had vibrant intellectual communities you know los angeles used to be like that new orleans yeah. used to be like that and, and there's the harlem renaissance of the 90s those are all gone in the black community oh now. yeah and one of the reasons is because is, is is because of that black flight or as i guess w.e.b du bois used to say the talented tent of black folks they all moved to white neighborhoods and so they're, they're, the, the black middle class have been completely dissolved and the black intellectual class have been completely dissolved and and what you're seeing now is just a sad remnant of of what was and and what could have been. Right. I think that they, I, I I don't see how black folks as a whole are are any better off because of all this. I just I don't see it. I think they'd be a whole lot better off if they had their own role models, their own communities, and their own damn police force instead of having to worry about you know the white cops and whatever. If they could just police themselves, I I I, I can't see this how they'd uh... be better off. This is a fascinating um it's a fascinating take you have on this and like you know as somebody like I'm I mean as you 
as you probably have surmised, like I'm pretty much very much a pro multiculturalist, but like this is a really right. a lot a lot of like the the bullet points you're bringing up are really really fascinating bullet points actually. And they're very insightful. I mean, you're a smart guy, and it seems okay. like you're kind of it seems like you're kind of open to like even like your views on race and separatism even evolving and being questioned a little bit. Which I am, am I wrong about that? No, no, not at all. Yeah, I mean, like, so I, I guess, like, like, so if 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 we are ex- exploring this idea of separatism, how would you reconcile that with with uh, Would you be willing to give up dating Asian women? Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd be willing to give it up. I'd be willing to give that up. I'd be willing to give up the food. I'd, I'd I guess I'd be willing to give it all up. But you're not you're not doing that yet. So I guess you're still. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? I, I'm 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 not trying to bust your balls. I'm just like. It's like it's like you're sort of in this limbo right now, like a lot of people, yeah. and that's what's I, sort of I, interesting. Yeah, I, I guess I guess it's be the change you want to see, as as Gandhi says. But you, one one thing I don't mean to give myself an out from this, but but one thing okay. is I I didn't grow up around white people, so it's it's not really fair to expect me to do that. I I grew up, you know, about ten miles from the Mexican border, so. Right, kind of. It's, it's kind of fair to ask me to do have to do something like that, you know. So I have a question then. I mean, this kind of brings me, and I've asked a lot of people on the show about this. Um, kind of like the origins of your story and what brought you to this. Um, because did you have any events in your life dealing with people of color that made you want to join the National Alliance? Oh, sure, sure. Um, when I was uh, eleven, uh, we moved down here, and um, I was picked up. When we moved down to to southern Texas, which is where I'm calling you from, yeah, yeah, I was picked on all the time in middle school. I'm I'm from a German background, um, and the town that I lived in was uh, pretty much all German American, and that's what that's what I am too. Um, the things went pretty darn well, um, and then I moved here, and just the culture, ever the, the culture, and then the way kids interacted with each other was, was just so completely and vastly different. I mean, I was, I was picked on all the time and the way that I, I guess the way that I coped with that was I learned how to, um, insult people and, and have just a sharper tongue than everybody else. But sure. But you know, one thing is I come from a fairly liberal house. Okay. My parents are, they're not as liberal as they used to be, but they were, they were hardcore hardcore liberals and you know they experienced the same difficulty that I did um in, in dealing with Mexicans but they would never they could never say it you know because they were and and so there was this dichotomy in the house all the time there was were liberals but you know these people are so very different from us to the point where it's pretty much irreconcilable and, you know, but we can't say that. But if you ever say that, then, you know, my mom would go fucking ape shit search. So, yeah, I, rem- I remember thinking one time my mom said, uh, and this, this was, this was kind of the big thing. My, uh, my mom was going on about, oh, how they're just as American as we are. And I said, okay, mom, well, you know, fine. If they're American, then I want to be something else. Wow. And yeah. this is due to like that emotional sort of uh, uh, anger you had about being picked on, right? Well, I no, no, it wasn't being picked on. I got, I got over that. That that didn't last too long. But um, 
there's actually kind of homesickness. Um, you know, I lost all my friends and I had to move down there. And I think some of that, some of the disdain that I had towards, towards Mexicans kind of came from that too. So like with that, so then like that's, uh, but then that's, that's your issue. That's not their problem. Yeah. That's not their fault. Well, try, try telling that to an 11 year old kid though. Yeah, I, I get that, dude. But like, I mean, so many people go through that, and they don't join a nationalist movement. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So like, like, this is. So I guess trying, like, okay, okay, okay. That's, you know what I mean? Tough. Yeah. No, I. So, I was. So, uh, well, let that's, me. Was, let me, That's where. I, let, that's where I was going. That's where I was going. My. My. You know, I. I remember thinking. You know, okay, if, if these people are American, then I'm something else. And the conclusion I came to is that I was. I was German. You're okay. So you reconnect that's, with your that's how I, That's right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And then one thing to another, and I became a neo-Nazi. Okay. And so did your parents know that you were in the neo-Nazi movement when you were in that movement? Yeah, they figured it out. They figured how, it out. How'd they react? Oh, not well. Not well. <laughs> I'm nuts. I, could, I, I think that's probably the worst. Short of doing drugs, that was probably the worst thing I could have done. Right. Well... I mean, I guess, I, I guess what I what I get confused about is that um, um, I'll, I'll I'll sort of share something about myself. I mean, I, I don't really give a lot of details about myself here on this show, but I you know I have darker skin yeah. than your than your all American look, like I was discussing earlier, and um, you know I was picked on a lot by white people. Like I was picked on a shitload. But I don't, I don't have any hatred towards white people. I don't even feel the need to separate from them. I still give people the benefit of the doubt. And I guess it's, it's – I guess like what I'm trying to figure out like – and I guess this is where the issue of white – the discussion of white privilege comes in where it's like because like that's considered – whiteness is considered American. Like it would be weird for me to be like, well, all white people suck. Like everyone, including people of color, would just look at me and just be like, you're an idiot. Whereas, like, with say you're in a you're a white person in a black community or a Latino community, and you have to be picked on, it's somehow proof of these people, you know, and how how bad these people are. Whereas, like, white folks don't get that marginalization in our society. That's how yeah. I see it. Okay. That's that's how I see it, because again, like you know, I mean. I probably have good reasons to hate, you know, your all-American white-looking dude. Yeah. I don't. I, I really don't. Because I've also met a lot of like wonderful, uh, wonderful uh, people who are of all races. You know, that's all. Mm. Okay. And so, but I'm, and, but I'm not trying to like. I mean, I'm, I'm also. I'm not trying to. I asked you the question, and I'm trying to, like, understand. So I'm not trying to, like, say, well, Kennewick, you shouldn't feel how you feel. I mean, I'm not trying to – the show's meant to explore. It's not meant to change anybody. So, um, yeah. so I'm not trying to negate – I'm not trying to negate, like, the fact that, like, as an 11-year-old kid, it's it's fucking horrible to be ostracized. Yeah. Um, it's, it is. It's just fucking horrible. Well, if, that, if, it, that's, if, it, if, it, if it makes you feel any better, I, I felt just about – I felt just about as much disdain for Mexicans as I did uh, uh, white Texans as well. I didn't really – care much for them either oh yeah well i mean i don't know if you guys know i mean i grew up in texas myself and um uh so it's <laughs> i found a disdain for yeah i i know what you're talking about so yeah 
Um, uh, and so, so okay, so we're learning like how you got to the neo-Nazi movement. Um, now, uh, the neo-Nazi movement, there's a special focus on Jewish people, and there's a special demonization yeah. of Jews. Oh, did sure. you ever did you ever feel that way about the Jewish race? Oh yeah. Or was it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right. Okay. And do you still feel that way? No, I, I, again, I mean, I, there's only so much that I'm really going to be able to get into, but no, no, it's fine. Not, not really. No, not really. So, so like you're you're a member of the neo-Nazi movement. I just oh, I want to ask you this: like, what happened? Like, did you give? Did you officially like just give your retirement? Like, hey, I'm leaving this group, guys. Check you no. later. No, I just I disappeared. And the, did they, I mean, did you just disappear out of fear of recrimination or? Oh, no, no. Heck no. I just, I, <laughs> you just, no, I, you just, I, I just disappeared. Right. But I mean, like, are you, are you worried about for, former members tracking you down or anything like that? No, I'm not. Because I, like you... I didn't, I didn't use my real name. Right. Okay. Right, right, right. I hear you. Um, and so. And, but like you were mentioning earlier, like you know, you don't want the nimbusters to find you out. I mean, what's what's the danger of these guys finding you out? They can't seem to type a sentence. What's the danger of the nimbusters? Um, well, I just, I just, I just have a bad premonition. I guess um, they, sure. they, there are probably about half a dozen of them on there that have. I mean, there's, there's, there's more. I think there's like thirty or some posts on nimbusters, but. Um, in, in the past, they have a tendency to, when, when a person comes out public on the website, and maybe that was my mistake in the first place, right. they, there will be people who will scour the internet for every little detail they can find about you. Yeah. And especially, uh, with, uh, especially with folks who used to be in the movement, um, they will scour every little detail they can find about you. Okay. And when they do, I've I've had I've had okay. I guess I'm just look. I've had okay threats on there saying that people are gonna if they find out who I am they're gonna ruin my life. So okay, um, I see. I've had people tell me that my future is gonna be fucked up. So I, I'm you know I I don't trust them. I don't trust right. them at all. I think I think there's a I think there's a lot of people on there who are very negative. And they need to bring other people down to that level. Sure. So I mean, it's like, so um, okay, yeah, yeah. So, so I, 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 that makes it a little bit more clear. Okay, so that makes perfect sense. And certainly, yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not trying to like provoke you into revealing anything you don't need to reveal, and that's all right. Uh, I understand. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, and so um, I guess uh, so. Your version of what a racist is is not a negative thing. What your version is is almost like closer to like it sounds like to me. Your version is almost like closer to like how a feminist feels, where it's about like empowering their own group of people, but not like at the expense of others. Am I right about that? I, I yeah, I, I don't think it has to be at the expense of others. I mean, okay. if it is, it is, but. I don't. I don't think it necessarily. I don't. I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. I don't see this as some kind of a zero sum game. Yeah. Well, actually, you know what? What's a, you know what's interesting is that um, thinking about whiteness, like I've heard a lot of like different thinkers um, 
uh, even black intellectuals have even encouraged, like, you know, white people to think about their own whiteness and not an evil, like, not like white guilt shit, but it's like, think about what that means to you just as much as black people have been forced to think about what being black in America means. You know what I mean? And so it's not a bad thing to, like, I think there's been this sort of uh, um, stigma of, like, considering what it means to be white in America. And, um, like, I don't know if you know who W. Kamau Bell is. I've heard the name. He's a comedian. He's he has a TV show now on FX. Um, oh, okay. And I mean, I listened to an interview with him, and he was even talking about um, how you know what would society be like if white people were asked to think about like what their whiteness meant to them in America, and you know, in the way that like a lot of folks of color have to think that way, um, you know, because there's a stigmatization stigmatization I see still of a lot of people, a lot of groups of people of color in this country. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, um, what's my point? Holy crap. I was just talking a lot. No, no, no. My point is that like, you know, it's this idea of whiteness. Like, what do you, like, what is the, what do you consider white? Because, you know, you're German. Yeah, but yeah. There was a time, there's a time when like Irish people were kind of considered inferior, but they now passed as white uh, Italians right. the same way. Um, so, like, what's the cutting off point for white? Like, do you consider okay. the Baltic? Do you well, consider the great. Baltic regions? Huh? Absolutely. That's a great question. White comes. White is is Caucasian. Caucasians who have descended from from Indo Aryans. Okay, and to to I guess in layman's terms, that would be it would exclude Arabic people. It would exclude North Africans. Um. And and it would be it would be people basically the people who migrated from Central Asia through what we know today as Russia and Asia Minor into into modern day Europe. So for example, um, Turks. I, I don't really consider Turkish people to be white because they, they at one point they were Greek uh, because the Greeks had colonized Asia Minor, uh, but later the Seljuk Turks who were I mean, gosh knows who what they really were, but they were Mongoloid, and I think maybe they had some Semitic in them or something. They invaded Turkey, and they and they mixed with the population. So Turks, in my mind, would no longer be white because they aren't fully Indo-Aryan. Um, Italians, on the other hand, would would generally generally speaking, they would be white. But Baltic people, yeah, of course, they're they're descendants of of ultimately the same tribe as the Germans are, and and so are the Irish for that matter. So, but even these tribes that you're talking about, they, they descended from, like you just now described, like Central Asia Minor, like they described from a mix of different races too. So they're kind of all uh, mixed, you know, everyone's. Well, so why, guess, why single out this one group? It's like sort of like, it's like saying like raisins are the only way, but grapes are evil. I guess, I guess we might all be a little bit mixed, but um, there, there were, you know, there was a tribe of people that at that time they were they called themselves the Aryans. And yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. Part of them, part of them migrated through Iran into India, and yeah, later the side, they were all white. Yeah, that's right. Well, no, 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 they were white when they migrated. They became non-white when they mixed with the Dravidians, and that's why some Indian folks, especially in the north and especially in the mountains, they look as white as, as Europeans do. So it's, it's ultimately yeah. the descendants of that tribe. Some of them went to India, and yeah. another piece of them migrated into Europe. It's the descendants of that tribe that are white folks. They're Caucasoid, 
Just like the Arabs, the Semites are Caucasoid. So the, the, it, technically, a, Arabs are Caucasian. And so I don't really yeah. use, when I, when I talk about white people, I don't talk about Caucasians because that would include Arabs and Semites. It would be, it would be Caucasian non-Semitic or Caucasian and Indo-Aryan. So what, what do you gain by making that distinction? Why not include Arabs in your de- definition? Because they look different, I guess. Just a, just a feeling. I mean, there is, if, if you want to get scientific, I, I believe there is a, some very minor genetic differences as well. But there's, there's cultural differences, right? There's huge cultural differences. And, and they, they do look different and they feel different to me. Um, scientifically, I believe there is a little bit of genetic difference between, between Indo-Aryans and, and Semites as well. Okay. Um, well, you know, like a lot of these studies... I mean, are you citing like eugenics studies and stuff like that, or, or like what do you? I don't you... think so. I don't. Okay. I, don't th- I don't. I don't believe that I am. I think that's just. I mean, race studies of race have actually come a long way uh, since since the Human Genome Project. If, if you're familiar with the Human Genome Project, it was in the late '90s. But yeah, it was basically whenever anybody says race is a social construct, they're they're basically looking back to the Human Genome Project. But there's actually been a lot of studies since then that have kind of moved beyond that human genome project calling race nothing. Um, but it's not touted. It's not brought out because it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit the, the, the political paradigm that we have right now. But, but it's, so, it's race. Yeah, so like, yeah. But you even, you even just sort of said that it's um it's a political paradigm, which is, you know, I mean, politics in general are, Invented and it's fiction and it's imposed upon people. It's not really biological. That, well, the, the political paradigm I was talking about was that it's improper <clears throat> to talk to to say that race exists. It's not politically okay. correct to say that. So we have to stay with that human that human genome project narrative. We we can't move beyond it because it's 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 just it's outside of the socially accepted net of reality that we have. I see. Okay. Or at least, so, uh, at least the reality that white folks impose on themselves. Okay. Well, let me. Uh, I, I just want to take some questions here in the chat room. Guest number 15 is writing, this KM is such a hypocrite at being European and Indo-Aryan is important to him. Why doesn't he move to Europe? And then he also writes, instead, he moved to China and he's been fucking Asian girls for the past 10 years, LOL. Yeah, uh, okay. Well, you know, well, so, so did Marco Polo. So, I mean, was Marco Polo a race traitor? Is Marco Polo a worthless piece of crap? Okay, guest number 15, if you would like to respond or call in, you're more than welcome to. Um, well, he, he ain't going to call in. He ain't, he ain't calling in. Do people, I'd, I, I'd be surprised. I, if you, I'd be very surprised if he did. See, like, this show would be so much more fun if people would call in. Like, and you could, like, like I'm putting this out to everybody. You can make fun of me. You can diss me. I don't care. I don't give a shit. Um... And then, oh, legalized freedom, man. I totally forgot to ask this question. Sorry, dude. Uh, he says, please ask Kennewick Man if he ever went to a Nazi or KKK rally. I'm assuming that the answer is yes. Yeah, the answer is yes. Did you ever, uh, did you ever listen to that horrible, like, skinhead rock? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's some horrible that. music. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, oh, that, that one guy, Ian Stewart, had some decent music. But other than that, I mean, like, the thing with the skinhead rock is I can, I can hardly ever understand the lyrics. Yeah, it's like wow. Wait, 
way to get your message out. It's like, wow, it's, this guy was preaching hate, but I didn't understand it. I just nodded my head. <laughs> yeah. Woo! Have um, you ever heard of uh, Have you ever heard of uh, Johnny Rebel? Johnny Rebel? No, I haven't. Yeah, Johnny Rebel. I, I bought a Johnny Rebel uh, CD back in the day. It was bootlegged because I couldn't find the original. But Johnny Rebel, he he made um, kind of like country western. Southern style music, and I, I did I did get a good laugh from his music from time to time. I still got that CD somewhere up here. I don't know where. Is he like a is he like a racist person? Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Johnny Rebel. Is he? Yeah. How long ago did that come out? Is he? Probably- oh boy, I don't even know. I think it was back in the seventies, but it's been like a cult classic since then. If you go onto YouTube and you type Johnny Rebel, you'll see a lot of like black people singing along to Johnny Rebel as like a joke. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I got you. <laughs> that's fucking awesome. That's great. Yeah, like I... let me see. Oh, sorry, guest number fifteen uh, actually responded. Marco Polo waited to flight the question: Why haven't you sired any white children? Why do you prefer Asian women and languages? Why not learn German? Well, we're we're working on that. I mean, as far as the the white children goes, I'll, I I do plan on having kids. Not that it's any of his business. I mean, guess fifteen. You have no hope. I mean, okay, guess fifteen. Well, if we want to use that same line of logic, why do you waste your sperm on shemales all the damn time? So, guess number fifteen. Do you waste your? Sperm oh, he on does. She- he does. That's all he does is he posts all that shemale porn, and he probably and he fucks shemale prostitutes all the time. Half the time they're black. Well, I guess, like, I mean, the difference would be is guess number 15 preaching for the separatism of, like, or the sort of, is he is he sort of, like, aligning himself with a movement that, not that you're doing this today, but, like, but you have in the past and you're you're still espousing a viewpoint of, like, um, oh, guess number 20 left. Fuck. Um, I guess, like, he's not judgmental about that towards himself or anyone else. I, I Whereas, think I think I think guest fifteen just has an inclination to knock people down. He's he's just an imbuster. Right. And he says, I have a white wife and three white children. I'm a yeah, white sure man. you do. <laughs> yeah, sure you do. <laughs> yeah. Well I have to say, like, people all the racist people on my, my chat here really home like they start like getting really homoerotic. It's it's pretty uh Incredible homoerotic fiction. They can make a lot of money the way these guys talk here. Like they'll get racist and then you disagree with them and then they're like, yeah, you faggot. Then they describe start describing gay sexual acts on my chat room here. Yeah, yeah. They probably do it on Nimbus or Sue. I, I I have a hard time getting through that website, man. I, I can't do I it. Often, I often wonder if it's a male dominance thing or if it or if they are really actually. I mean, I don't remember when, but there's a couple studies that said when men get so desperate, you know, to the fact that they can't find any women, they do gay acts. Maybe that's, maybe that's, kind I mean, of I don't know. I think you're, I, I, I believe you're born gay or straight. And, um, really? I mean, unless, okay. but I, I really believe that. And I mean, but like maybe like the prison population would prove me, would <laughs> yeah. be interesting. Yeah. On, like, no, seriously, like, cause I've read so many books about that stuff. Like, um, maybe that would be different. I don't know. Um, so well, I just need to address something really quickly. Uh, Dark Knight. Uh, uh, let's see. So are you born a pedophile as well? Uh, you got Dark Knight. You and another guest were exchanging some violent words here. Just be cool. Don't threaten each other. Gotta t- kick you off if you do. 
Um, so are you born a pedophile as well? No, I, pedophiles are often molested as children. Um, like that dude, that Ariel Castro piece of shit, he was molested as a child. And so, so are gays. No, they're not. I've known a lot of gays who are not mol- pedophiles. All gays that I've known have not been pedophiles. That's just goofy. Okay. Um, well, uh, so I want to ask you this, KM. Um, sure. So you, you, know, you, you went to the Nazi movement, but you retained this interest in foreign lands and oh, Asian, yeah. a- Asiatic cultures. Like, well, not, not just that, but yeah, among other things. Well, like the, the uh, not just, not just, it sounds you're like trying to make, you're, you're trying to, you're, I, I'm not sure if you're trying this, but it, just the way you're framing it, it sounds like I'm like some kind of a fetishist. Uh, that's not where I was going, but uh, I know, but but that's how it sounds, you know. So I just have to be okay. here. All right, well, so um, I guess like what I'm what I'm sort of curious is about like so I'm, I'm understanding or I, you you've mapped out how you came to the neo-Nazi movement. Um, so how did you come to be fascinated by foreign lands and by Asiatic cultures or or different cultures? Yeah, different cultures. Um, man, I don't even know. I I think that's always been in me, as far back as I can remember. Probably, uh, probably since about age six, at least I can I can remember that. And you know, I I don't. I was just a boy growing up in a real small town in Wisconsin. So, uh, I, I guess the only answer I have is that sometimes just God puts thoughts in your head. So then which – I guess my, my next question would be like, so who is the true – like which one reflects you more? Like the, the Kennewick man that's interested in foreign lands and Asiatic culture or the Kennewick man that aligns himself with some of the viewpoints of the white nationalist movement? Because I, I feel like – I mean just the fact that you left that movement, like I feel like it's interesting that – you know, you still hold on to that, even though, like, I feel like that might be a block of who you were. I'm not trying to sound like a therapist here, so I'm, I'm yeah. just I'm pontificating. Um, that might be blocking maybe what your true nature is. And I'm sorry to sound like Deepak Chopra, but um, uh, it, it's just very fascinating to me because it sounds like to me it's not just a fetish. It sounds like you're genuinely interested. Oh, yeah. In your, yeah. Oh, no, it's, and, not, it's not. A, it never was a fetish. Yeah. It sounds like you're actually like you've educated yourself. I remember like you and I were talking about uh, Sanskrit uh, the last time you called in, mm-hmm. and um, you know, uh, I, you know, and I've, I, and, and that's a language that like I, I still don't agree that it's attributed to like European influences alone. That it's, it, I feel like that was a mix of a lot of different modern, things. Like yeah, modern Sanskrit has had Dravidian influences, no doubt. Yeah, and but like. But like even like the word Aryan is not a is not a white word. It's not a European word. It's a you know it was Iran. It's That's right. uh, and so That's like right. uh, so like, <laughs> That's exactly so like it's, right. it's just it's just and very Iran, interesting. Though. And Iran was white before the Mongols and Arabs invaded it. Right, right, right. So, you, so you're like, thinking you're thinking the modern day Iranians who are in Iran looked like the Iranians from a thousand years ago, which is not the case. Okay. Okay, I you know I, I'm going to look into that myself. Mm. Uh, you know, yeah, at, at some point um, I'm going to look pretty, into that. It's 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 pretty academic. Yeah, it is. It is. But like, I guess my point is, is that like it's, you know, I, I bring it up because it's like you are also like you're seeing like 
how these things are not just like cut and dry, how it's not like separate from each other. Like these are all everything that you, you know, all these cultures, even like the white cultures are all a mix of a bunch of different types of people. And a lot of creations are a mix of a bunch of different types of people. I mean, the language we're speaking English is made up of a whole lot of different languages, basically. Um, And so it's, it's, it's fascinating to me that like, there's, I'm I'm not explaining this well because like I'm sort of bewildered by it because like it sounds like you don't sound like the sort of dude that like you know you're in this like Nazi movement or whatever but like you're still you know you still like get off on Asian porn at night or whatever like it's occasionally I'm sure you still do but like (laughs) and but like um but it's like it's a genuine sort of like respect for other cultures even oh yeah yeah yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, it's yeah. it's something that I'm trying to wrap my head around. And um, I, I I guess I, I guess you just have to be comfortable with paradox. But to, yeah, yeah, to try I to, hear you. But to to try to flatten it out to the best I can, I don't I don't see anything. I never did see anything wrong with loving my own people, and at the same time being interested in others and, and respecting others. I guess, like, I mean, I, I look. Everyone should love themselves. I mean, like, whether you're white, black, Asian. Everybody should be proud of who they are. I mean, as much of a liberal as I am, um, I, I don't really like the the sort of orientation of white guilt because I just think it's stupid. I, I think it doesn't do anyone any good, and it doesn't lead to an honest discussion. And right. it doesn't really lead to any progress for anybody, including white people or people of color, right? And right. so I, – I, but, like, I guess the, the paradox comes, and, and, you know, Dragon's been on the show, and he said the same thing. But, like, you talk to Dragon enough, and then, like, all of a sudden, it's like he starts talking about, like, how blacks are a savage race, and he's nigger this, nigger that. And yeah. I guess, like, I guess like with these movements, like, I don't feel like these movements are about white love or, like, getting to know yourself and your own culture. I think a lot of it's right. about – a lot of it's about and, – and maybe I'm preaching to the choir. Maybe, like, you've seen this already, and I'm repeating what you know. <laughs> More um, than you know. <laughs> and so, like and, – and I guess, like, that's why I'm I'm being a little challenging of this because – you know, if it's just about like getting getting in touch with like your white heritage or, or your German heritage, um, you know, why why not start a new group? And Naj Radio, who calls into my show a lot, um, non-member. Hold on, I'm gonna get your call in a second. He calls my show a lot, and he made this point up too. It's like why not like create your own sort of um, sort of movement, and not one where like there's blood in the history of the movement. Well, that's that's an that's an easy answer. The, the reason we don't is because there's a social stigmatism attached to it. There's a huge social stigma attached to it, and it makes it it, it would make me a target. You know, I'd, I'd be out there. My first and last name would be on there, and it would be difficult for me to to, to not not not. I mean, I could probably work in a factory as a janitor for the rest of my life, but that's not what I want to do. Okay. But like, but like, we have like in this and everywhere, like you have like the St. Patty's Day, it's Irish Pride, you have Oktoberfest, German Pride. Oh yeah. We have yeah. we have all these like, and so like when I hear people saying like, oh well, you can't have white pride, we have white pride all the time. Like the Irish, Italians, Ger- all the races you named that you that's feel ethnic. are acceptable that's, as white. That, that, like, that's that's ethnic though. That's ethnic. That's ethnic pride. Ethnic pride yeah, and racial pride see, is the difference is... between the two. Because when when you start saying white pride, then it becomes a political issue. Yeah. Then that's when the politics come in. So, I mean, I. Okay. Well. Oh fuck. Well, why'd that guy hang up? 
The guy could have waited. Okay, sorry. Non-member was on the call. Maybe he was a prankster. I don't know. That's fine. We welcome that. We're not fucking... I don't discriminate against anybody on this show, pranksters or otherwise. Um, but yeah, I guess, um, you know, I, I've, it, it's interesting, though, like when... So groups like German, Irish, Italian, like they just... They can be ethnic when it's convenient, but then be white again when it's convenient. I, I think I, I don't really see it. I, I guess what I was trying to say is that ethnic pride in, in one's cultural ethnicity for white folks is somewhat okay. But when you start bringing race into it, that's when the politics starts. I mean, Germans and Irish are going to be white no matter what. Right. You, know? they, you can't, you know, you can't separate being Irish and being white. You can't separate being German and being white. Those, those, those two are, are inseparable. But like when I brought up like Irish pride parades, German pride festivals, like you, you did sure. do that. Am I wrong? Oh, oh yeah. No, you're not wrong. Okay. Well, let me, let me just take this call. Are you willing to take, talk to, talk to this guy if he's cool? <laughs> oh, let's see what it's like. Okay. We'll let's see what happens. Okay. Uh, let's see. Why is this not unmuting? Okay, and non-member, are you there, buddy? Non-member, are you there? Uh, yeah, can you just give me three minutes? Three minutes? Yeah, yeah. All right, I guess just chime in when you're ready to chime in. What are you doing? I hear myself. Okay, well, going back to uh, this discussion. Um, okay, well. Oh, oh so he's, annoying. He's, you should probably just mute him because he's just, he's, he's uh-huh. feedbacking. Okay. Hey, non-member, I'm going to mute you. Um, when you are ready to talk, just say something in the chat, and I'll, I'll unmute. I will unmute you. Okay. Yeah, and, and non-member, if you could do us a favor, and when you talk, put on headphones. That'll stop the muting. Yeah, that's annoying. Yeah, if yeah, that goes for everybody. If you're going to call in, just just I, it, it does no good if I hear myself like with the delay. It's oh, really yeah, that, that drives me absolutely crazy. It drives me up a wall. Yeah. Zenu Knight, welcome to the show. Um, you're saying non-member is a troll. Cool. Um, probably right. Um, Zenu member, Zenu Knight, uh, you're welcome to call in if you want, or you're welcome to join in our discussion here. Um, I hope you're enjoying the show. I'm looking at your profile here, and I was very fascinated by it. Uh, if you are a member of Anonymous, I salute you, sir. You guys do great work. So I want you to know that. Might give the student another chance. All right. <clears throat> okay. You know what, guys? Oh, okay. So sorry. I just want to. I just want to bring this up here. Um, so you're back in America, KM, right? Yep. Yep, I am. So what was your experience in Taiwan? I'm assuming you're the only you were the only um, minority over there. Well, I I'm, I'm I was a foreigner there, but um 
Uh, honestly, I'm, the last the last two years, frankly, were not very good. Um, Taiwan is a country that doesn't really value foreigners, and so I found it <clears throat> a lot less productive for me and a lot less rewarding for me than than when I lived in China. Okay. And so I I I was working six days a week and I was struggling to just to find a fucking shit job. So. Um, I see. And at, at the same time, I had used the downtime I had to get into financial writing. And in, in, in April, I got an invite. I got an invitation to, to work at the publication that I mentioned. It, it's invite only. And I got invited to, to write for them. And so I started writing and, and I still had to, I had to balance that in the six-day work week. And, and I just thought, well... This is ridiculous. I, you know, I'm, I'm working six days a week teaching English. It's a job that has a horrible social stigmatism. Um, I'm barely making any money. Mm-hmm. I live in a fucking dump. I live in a shitty apartment in a, in a, in a shitty town, and I, I can't. So I, I went looking for a job that at least gave me weekends off in, in Taipei, the capital, and I right. found that it was just a struggle. There are so many losers there, most of which are Canadians, but there's a whole bunch of white losers running around Taiwan wearing shorts and sandals and <laughs> competing for jobs teaching English. And, I mean, there are more, literally, there are more foreigners there, more English-speaking foreigners there than there are jobs available. And the Taiwanese have this stupid idea that, you know, all we can ever do over there is teach English, so we're kind of stuck in that, that, that pigeonhole. And it sucks. It, it was, I found myself struggling to just get a shit job. And okay. I just... And and during the downtime, I was doing what I love to do. And so, you know, I said, well, do I want to stay in Taiwan, a place that doesn't value me, a, a country that does nothing to make me feel welcome? When I lived in China, I got a free apartment. If I were to move to Korea, I'd get a free apartment. I'd get free airfare. I mean, hell, they'd even feed me, and they'd pay me over $2,000 a month. And because I'm American, I wouldn't have to pay any fucking tax. Oh, right. no, no, I'm here in Taiwan where I have to pay 20% tax. They don't do shit for me. I don't get a free apartment. I don't get free airfare. I don't get fucking free anything. They don't give a rat's ass, and the job market sucks. Why should so, I stay in a place that doesn't value me? Goodbye. Fuck Taiwan. I'm an, I mean, I make more money here sitting on my ass writing articles and, and hanging out in the pool at home and, right. and eating my mom's cooking all damn day than, than I do slaving away like some kind of fucking sweatshop worker in Taiwan six days a week. Mm. So I have a, so um, do you imagine, I mean, the, what you just now described, a lot of immigrants who come to America go through what you went through. Over there. <laughs> yeah, I, believe, I believe that, yeah. I mean, so it's like when people are like, oh, they're taking our jobs, they're taking over our country. It's like, no, there's, they, they, and in, in, all, in all seriousness, like they're going through exactly what you just now described of like, just like people like not welcoming them, like seeing them with a suspicious eye, and then like the jobs available are shitty jobs, even though they may have like had a great job back in their own country. And yeah. so, I mean, it, it's it's interesting to me like to hear this, uh, to hear this sort of different experience. So like, why not go back to China or Korea then? Why just spend two years yeah. in ta- Taiwan? That was that was the plan. Uh, I was going to go back. I was going to go to Korea, um, but I decided that I, I really don't like teaching English. Mm-hmm. I really don't like it. I don't like the social. St- I've been in Asia long enough to know that 
teaching English, you know, when a woman there asks you what your job is and you say, I'm an English teacher, well, you just lost 10 fucking points right there. You know, <laughs> you, you just lost 10 fucking points. And so I, I was finding it difficult to enjoy myself the way I was hoping to enjoy myself, or at least to that ex- to the extent I was hoping to enjoy myself. Sure. It was difficult to connect with, with, uh, with people. It was difficult to experience that culture because Chinese culture is all about status. It's all about status. Uh-huh. And if you don't have status, nobody gives you the time of day. I mean, it, 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 the difference between, you know, you might say, well, the United States is like that too. Not the way you, not the way you understand it because in China, it's codified. In, in China, it's like people talk about it as if it's except, you know, the minute I say I'm an English teacher, I'm out, man. I'm, I, this, this just, you know, there are so many doors that close right when I say that. Because when you say, when, when you say I'm an English teacher in Asia to a Taiwanese person, or a Chinese, or a Korean, or even a Japanese, the first thing they think is fucking loser who can't hack it back home. And I was, I was tired. Of, I mean, I speak fluent Mandarin. I, have, I, I spent tens of thousands of dollars learning that language. I did so in a year. I went to the, the very best um, Mandarin language center in the world. And, and wow. I was side by side with Ivy League students. So I, I resented that. I resented being pigeonholed like that. I resented, I, I resented it, and I'd had enough. And I just, okay. you know, just like fuck it. And and not only that, the, the Taiwan does nothing for me. They do nothing. Whereas China gave me a free this. China gave me a Korea did too. But the, the, the I, I guess just to kind of come back and answer your question, I got tired of the social stigma. And okay. I'm doing what I love to do here, and I'm making just as much money. So you know, why not? Good for you. Guest number 16 is writing, well, you would always lose 10 points here, too. You were too lazy to become an engineer, accountant, CEO, lawyer, architect, surgeon. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's see. And Xenu Knight is asking, Kennewick Man, what school did you go to to learn Chinese? Um, ask UF. Okay. <clears throat> uh, yeah, you don't need to reveal anything you don't want to reveal. Uh, let's see. All right, folks. Um Oh, I want. Oh, yeah. My last question: Were you uh, were you dating anybody while when you were in Taiwan? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And so, like, did they? And she didn't know of your past. I'm assuming. Oh no, I don't think she probably wouldn't have cared anyway. But no, 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 no. That. So, like, I mean, when when you were like with, I I just I have to ask this question because it's just sort of nagging at me a little bit. when you were dating Asian women, uh, both inside and outside of the Nazi movement, did you treat them with respect, or how did like how were you, or did you sort of like try to be dominating over them, or sort of remind like did you treat them like they were inferior, or tell them they were inferior? Uh, I don't think they would have hung around long if I had. Okay. And I don't just, think you know I I, th- I think women can kind of sense that you know if there's something wrong with a guy they're not gonna. Yeah. They're not going to hang around for it, especially if you know, they're not going to hang around for it. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. I'm just going to give. Okay, so but you didn't. You know, you weren't like, hey, you know, you didn't make him like dress like a geisha or something like that, right? No. Okay, I'm just going to give you one more chance here. Non-member, are you there? Uh yeah. All right. What was going on earlier, dude? I just needed to do something. I was just um I just wanted three minutes. Alright, so what's what's on your mind, dude? Um I just wanna ask KM some advice. Sure, go ahead. 
Um, well, like recently, like um, I think I've got some uh, yellow fever. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, I was looking to expand my dating pool to maybe include some Asian girls. Sure. Um, and I was wondering if you give me any advice on um, dating Asians. Um, I don't. Just, I think I think just generally dating any woman is is pretty much the same. I don't think there's anything special in particular to Asian ladies, and it, it especially depends. It especially depends on the culture of the female you're looking for. But I guess one thing. Now, one thing that might be kind of cool is just learn something about where they're from. Don't tell them that. Just, you know, just, and, and then when you're talking, maybe you could just mention something like that offhand. They're, they're, out, they're almost always very surprised if you, if, if you know, to, to know that you know something about where they're from. Um, one thing I wouldn't recommend you do is, like, try to... Um, try to, like, say one or two words of their language. I, I think... Most of them see that as kind of patronizing, but just, um, yeah, there you go. Just uh, know something about where they're from. They won't expect it. Uh, and should I bring up the um, the race thing? Should I ever mention, like, hey, no. I'm white, you're Asian? No, no, no they, can, they can see that clear as day, no. No, no because that'll make them feel, you know, that'll, that'll, make, that'll make them feel like as if, okay, this guy's only looking at me because... I'm Asian. He's not looking at me for me. He's just looking at me as as an object, and that's and even if it is that even even if that is what you're thinking, and I, and I understand because I've been there, but they women want to feel special, you know. They don't want to think, oh, he's just after me to get the Asian notch under his belt. That's not going to fly. They're going to feel like they're being used, right? Yeah. All right. Did that help you, non-member? Um. Yeah, a bit. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Just be. Just don't. Don't objectify. Don't treat people like they're fucking objects. You know what I mean? Like, don't. Don't treat them like they're different from other women. Like, like, how do you approach white women? No, there's a lot of Chinese girls in Australia. Yeah, just, just like, uh, I'm not is... from Australia. I'm not from Australia. Oh, you're Where not. Are you from? Where are you from? Uh, just on the west coast. Uh, I can tell by that accent. <laughs> that California accent you have. Oh, now I remember you've called in before, right? Um, yeah, maybe once. You have, yeah. I mean, I I remember you. Uh, thanks for. I mean, I'm glad you're calling back in. Uh, Thanks for listening. And also, um, you mentioned something about Asians. They were lactose intolerant or something. Uh, a lot of them are. Don't don't take them out for ice cream or anything like that. Um. Yeah, probably not a good idea. Oh my gosh, this guy's a uh, this guy's a uh, uh, retreating Don Rickles is a stand-up act. A lot of them are lactose intolerant. I mean, that's why there's no Dairy Queen in China. All right, well, um, guys, I got to wrap up the show. Actually, I got to kind of yeah, make an early night. Me too. All right. All right. Well, uh, non-member, did you have any other questions or any other comments? Um, yeah, which which uh, which um, Asians uh, are the best? Would you say, um, like Korean? Um, uh, Koreans, I wouldn't. I mean, if you can get a Korean woman, that'd be great. I like I like Japanese girls the best. 
That's personal preference. Like nobody's, yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm looking for someone that's like really submissive. Jeez. Um, yeah, good luck. Well, you can always try. I mean, like the Vietnamese will, but a lot of them won't. <laughs> They're not going to mess around with you until uh, you know you give them a ring. Yeah, that's right. You sexist. Anyways, non-member, I gotta, I gotta let you go. Um, and Mickey TT is re- recommending that you get a dog. Um, yeah, it's racist and sexist. Anyways, uh, non-member, good night. Thank you for calling in. Um, K- Kennewick, man, thank you very much for calling in. I, I enjoyed our conversation very much. Um, yeah, my pleasure. I did too. Um, I, you know, I'm, I, you know, like you and I don't see the world probably fully in the same way, but I mean, this was a, a very uh, edifying conversation for me. And uh, welcome to call back anytime you want. I appreciate that, and I just might. All right, man. All right, uh, everybody, uh, I'm just going to one more time post my email. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, any advice on guests that you want, I'm trying to line up some guests uh, happening here. Uh, it's hateprojectradio at gmail.com. Follow us here on Twitter, and that's twitter.com. My chat is freezing, so I can't tell if this is uh, uh, coming up or not. Uh, non-members hung up. Anyways, guys, uh, it is what it is. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you next week, Monday at 1030. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to Paradox of Civility. If you have any feedback, any comments, any questions, any suggestions... Um, we're almost done with these episodes of The Hate Project, so I'm going to be having some other guests on soon. So if you have any suggestions for that or you want to be on the show, email me at paradoxofcivility at gmail.com. Email is in the description below. Um, if you like this show, please tell your friends. If you hate it, please tell your enemies to make them miserable. Uh, I just need those clicks, man. I just need those downloads. I don't know how metrics work. I Yeah, whatever. All right, talk to you next time.